Do you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Are you constantly thinking about how to create value and build new businesses? Are you trying to find innovative ways of doing business to replace old, outdated ones? If so, then this is the show for you. Hosted by me, Jimmy Gonzalez, and Devon Watts, two business startup coaches on with the knowledge that financial independence equals social independence. And our mission is to help you not just start a business, but scale it and keep it by providing the X's and O's of business creation and expansion. So join us as we share our experiences, tell stories of entrepreneurial success and failures, and break down lessons learned from sports entertainment. But don't worry, this is not a sports podcast. This is an uncompromising entrepreneur podcast. Welcome back, uncompromising family, to episode 79 of the Uncompromising Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, your boys are back. I know it's been a minute, but we are here. Uh, and been wanting to break down a couple of conversations that we've we've uh, come across uh, through various media channels. Uh, but these different conversations that we've seen really had us thinking about signs. Signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur. So that is what today's conversation and episode is going to be all about. Uh, if you are a new listener, thank you for stopping, hitting play, and listening to uh, our podcast, our show. If you are a loyal listener, of course, we thank you as well. Uh, if you're new or if you've been around for some time, definitely would like for you to like this episode and go ahead and leave us a review. We would certainly appreciate that. We'd love to hear your feedback uh, and what you think about the show overall. And of course, this particular episode, again, as we break down, uh, we're going to stick to about five, five signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But uh, before we do, uh, always like to to start off by asking uh, my good friend. I am Coach Jimmy G, and my good friend and co-host Devon Watts Jr. What's good, brother? How you doing? Hey man, how's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, shout out to our uncompromising entrepreneur community. I um, definitely miss you all, um, Jimmy and I. I've been having a litany of conversations uh, just about entrepreneurship and you know business and. Um, even some uh, business dealings that we have in the work on our end for our coaching business, uh, which we're currently working through. And, um, you know, all of those things have really just kind of come to a head and we're like, man, you know what, we got to we got to break this down for our listeners out there. When we talk about like, how do you know that you were built to be an entrepreneur? We've had some conversations with some folks that have been in, you know, some of uh, the communities that we're involved in and. Um, you know, providing them some guidance on how do they know that they have the skill set to do some of the things they aspire to do, whether it, you know, be community management, social media management, things like mm -hmm. that. Right. <clears throat> uh, and so we're like, man, we probably have some of our, our listeners out there that are not sure if they are built for this entrepreneur life. And so, um, we definitely want to uh, break those things down over today's episode. Um, and honestly, I need a little bit of the break, man. Um, to be honest with you, just kind of talk about some of these things and just chop it up. You know, I've been on super daddy duty, you know what I mean? So multiple bottles, multiple diapers and all that good stuff. Mommy's tapped in right now. Um, and so this gives me an opportunity to connect with my community, 
um, and continue to build um, what we've been building. So I'm looking forward to the conversation, looking forward to breaking some things down and taking some of our off mic combos and bringing them on mic to share with our group. Uh, and I'm really hoping that we can continue the conversation post you know, recording with our community by having you guys leave us comments and reaching out and, you know, um, reaching out to us on social media platforms and all of those different things. Like we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear um, your feelings on the five signs that we're going to highlight because there's more than that, but we're going to focus on five specifically the five signs we're going to highlight to let you know you are built for this entrepreneur lifestyle. Again, okay, and there are, there are a lot. I mean, you know, we, Came up with a list of about 2021, uh, but these are signs uh, specifically that you know again kind of revolve around these these conversations that uh, we witnessed and, and watched and observed and felt like yeah it would it would be a good opportunity to to dive a little bit deeper into those and kind of break those down. Um, so as we have been doing this season, uh, we hope. Uh, that you're 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 continuing to rock with us even as we talk a little bit about sports athletes and uh, some entertainers and such. Uh, but we're going to start with a, a conversation that was had on uh, LeBron's show, which is called The Shop, correct? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the most recent, I think it was the first episode for season five, um, and. Yeah, so there was some good conversation uh, with uh, who are all the folks that were on the episode. Um, so there's Quint, uh, Quinta uh, Brunson, who is the creator of Abbott Elementary. Yes. Um, if you all haven't watched hilarious that. Hilarious show um, if you have not seen it yet. Yes. Hilarious show. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Office Parks and Rec-ish, mm-hmm. um, but set in an elementary school. Uh, in urban Philadelphia and, um, you know, tackling some of the, the challenges that come with that, you know, childhood education and impoverished areas or underfunded areas, but the teachers that make it work and it just has, you know, great comedy. It's a great comedy first and foremost. And then it touches on, you know, some of those other life things. Um, you had Balvin was on there. Balvin was on there. Shout out Balvin. Um, you had, uh, Donald Glover, um, yeah, a.k.a. Charles Gambino, um, well-known uh, artist, writer, creator, you know, creator of Atlanta, um, you know, a musician, just, you know, super gifted individual. Um, and then you had, uh, obviously, you know, about, LeBron and his host of folks. Um, yeah, how can I forget it? I don't know why I've been having so much trouble remembering this young man's name, the quarterback. Oh, Lamar Jackson. Jackson I'm a guy. Yeah. <clears throat> LJ, you know what I mean? MVP. MVP. Former MVP, Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar was on there as well. He didn't speak that much. I mean, the time he's a normally quiet, like reserved guy anyway. So he's a man of few words. I can see how you know maybe looked uh, overlooked him just a little bit. But um, when he did speak, it was with intention, and there's some good things that that were shared there. But uh, yeah, man, he he had a nice uh, little group on um, for the discussion, and they were talking about everything, man, from. you know, life as a creator, um, the pressures that come with being a creator, you know, talking to Quinta specifically about, you know, this being her first major project with Abbott Elementary and the pressure that comes with that. And, you know, do you go in, um, 
intentionally trying to touch on some of these subjects that are, um, you know, I wouldn't say taboo, but just, um, your real life, you know what I mean? And some of the challenges that come with, you know, um, again, operating in underfunded, you know, areas, you know, from an education perspective. And she's like, no, first and foremost, I focus on like, on the comedy, it's a comedy. So I have to be funny. Right. And like, you would hope that through just being funny and then touching on the storyline that some of these other things organically mm-hmm. get touched on and come up. But I don't go in trying to tackle a theme. Right. Like I have to be funny. Um, and so that was just interesting to hear. And they have some great advice about how like how to deal with those pressures um, and how, you know, when we're having the most success <clears throat> uh, professionally, it could be at when we're personally at our lowest. I don't know if you recall kind of that discussion yes, i do yeah, uh, yeah just and, you know talking about the fact that sometimes you can be kind of just juxtaposing both both views of that you can be on kind of such a winning streak right and people can be man like uh for donald glover it was um you know i think maybe it was a record that had just come out but you know he was hot and almost everybody else wasn't and they're like man look at you know mm-hmm. the success you're having but yet, I think his was it his his dad. I think that had passed or that. Yeah, yeah, his uh, father. So there's times in your life where things could be going seemingly, and they are going well. It wasn't that they weren't, but that's just what the outside sees. You know what the crowd sees. Uh, but personally, you can be really going through some things. Um, and then the opposite piece of that was, you know, maybe professionally, from what people can see, things are from maybe their standards, right? Or what they're expecting is not going as well as you would like it. Um, you know, you're, you're not getting the sales, you're not getting traction, uh, building clientele. Uh, you do a launch and that, you know, that first launch maybe doesn't, it doesn't have the success that you want it to have, but like, I still got my family. You still got your family. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's still beautiful things that are so, uh, blessings and are for us are huge successes in our personal life, right? So, um, so yeah. So that was just an, an interesting take on on that. I think what you know, one of the things that we wanted to touch upon again, we were going to to really kind of focus on five different areas that are signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur is just that belief in yourself, right? And and believing yep. that even regardless of what the outside thinks, you know, you, you know, truly what's going on with, within you, within your family, within your personal life. Um, and and just believing that kind of no matter what, you know, things are, are, are hopefully going to continue to work out. If you kind of stick to yourself, stick to your processes, stick to the vision that you have, um, as you continue to to move forward, which also speaks to Lamar Jackson, right? Cause they, they did touch again upon that a little bit as far as being, um, I mean, he's a young black man, a young black quarterback. And while we have come such a long way when it comes to specifically that position in the NFL, and they talked about when he was drafted and how some teams wanted him to play a different position. But no, he believed in himself and his desire and his capabilities to play the position of quarterback at the highest, most elite levels uh, and has seen tremendous success because of that. Uh, So just, you know, there's this so much that can be said about, again, you want to know if there's some signs, am I really born? Do I really have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Number one is you have to have belief in yourself, uh, especially because there's going to be times where there's just other people out there that don't believe in you. And, and 
they're not going to be shy about sharing their opinions. Exactly. Right. Like um, they touched on the fact that like when it seems like the criticism is turning against you, like the and how the one thing that they can't take from you. And I think Quinta shared this with Lamar. Right. Like as you continue to establish yourself in life. Right. Because right now, Lamar is extremely young. Um, it's like my son's so, age, bro. I think he's 25. My son is 24. Like I, I remember that as I'm watching the conversation, just how young he really is. Sometimes you forget when you just see this this young man, but you know, he's a man playing on the football field mm-hmm. and doing the things that he does. You you do forget kind of really what age he truly is. Exactly right. And so, um, to your point, right? Like he, you know, he has this um, this profession that he that he's involved in, and you know, so much of. Um, so much complexity in that line of work, you know, and responsibility that's stressed on him, right? Because you, again, you're talking about at the age of 20, um, he's been in the league for probably about two, three years now, right? So like 22, <clears throat> being the face of a billion dollar franchise, being responsible, you know what I mean? Like all of those pressures, right? But this, like, he's only a couple of years out of college and, you know, this is probably his first opportunity, like to live on his own and own his own space. Mm-hmm. And think about like just, us as people, like what those challenges were like, you know, when you purchased your first home or moved into your first place outside of school or whatever the case may be, like, and all the challenges that that bring with now throw on that, the expectation of a billion dollar business being the face of a franchise, you know, performing at a certain level because your contract isn't guaranteed and there's no guarantee that, you know, this is going to be a long standing career for you. Right. Like all of those things, um, when things aren't going your way can feel like that pressure, you know, is coming from all directions. But one of the things Quinta said is that like, they can't, they can't mess with that bubble, that bubble of love that you've been able to create and you've been able to establish. And I think the same is true as an entrepreneur, right? As we are out there and we are building our business and, um, you know, tackling the challenges that come with, again, you know, keeping, sustaining, scaling our operations and some of the changes that may occur um, in the, in, you know, in the um, in the marketplace. Uh, as challenging as that can be and as stressful as those moments can be, it's not going to take away that bubble of love that you've been able to create, that that you've been able to establish the things that are really important. Honestly, the things that are the, the motivation behind why you're building what you're building. Right. And so I thought that was just, um, really, really appropriate, you know, and how important it is to still hold on to that unwavering self-belief. Right. Um, and LeBron talked a little bit about it cause he realized that when he made that transition from, you know, uh, Cleveland to Miami, he felt so much pressure to prove to the naysayers out there that like, nah, I can do this, right? Like this was the right move. I'm going to shut you up. There's a difference between, um, you know, uh, unwavering confidence and self-belief and then allowing people the criticism to make you, to get you to play outside of yourself. And that, I think that was a really interesting point that LeBron touched on is because he realized that first year in Miami when they made it to the finals, they ended up losing to the, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, shout out uh, Dirk Nowinski. Um, I still think one of the most like amazing finals performances when you consider you know what he was up against. It was him. Jason Kidd, um, right? Jason Kidd, like an old Jason Kidd. Um, um, you know, Bobby Jackson and his bobblehead bandana, like he got that thick ass like headband and just like the little all right um 
uh, I'm sorry, not Bobby Jackson, Jason Terry. I'm sorry, yes, Jason Terry. Yeah, Jason Terry. Um, right, but you really you just had Dirk versus a prime LeBron, a prime Wade, Wade and a prime Chris Bosh, and he got the job done. So much respect to Dirk. Um, but LeBron said, "Hey, I take responsibility for us falling short in that title run because I had allowed the criticism." to affect my confidence just a little bit and force me to play outside of myself. I wasn't playing as myself. I wasn't operating within my wheelhouse or my strength. I wasn't staying true to my core, my beliefs. And it made me think, how often do we see that as entrepreneurs where, you know, we're going down a certain path or we're operating within a certain space. Um, we're executing against a certain idea. Maybe those things haven't come to fruition just yet, but we're staying in the course, right? We're building. We know that this is a slow trudge. And then we allow that poison of self of doubt to creep in because we're getting criticism from others that maybe are not building with us, that maybe don't see the vision, that maybe aren't built uh, bought into it, right? That are naysayers that are saying, okay, you... Uh, are you sure that are you really good at that? Are you, I don't know. Is now the right time to do something like that? And, and then we allow that to seep in and impact our confidence. And then it starts, it causes us to start to operate outside of ourselves. And we start to look at other spaces that may not be true to our purpose, or we start to tackle or take on responsibilities that are not within our core skill set, right? Because we want to disprove somebody. Um, and so, uh, I thought that that, that point just by LeBron was a really, really profound one around like, yeah, you want to hold on to your self-confidence. That's critical for you as an entrepreneur. You have to have that unwavering self-belief, right? But you can't let the mission be, you can't let the mission become disproving the naysayers, Mm -hmm. Right. Like that can't be the focus. Like where you put like you. I know you guys may have heard the saying before, but what gets fo- what gets focused is what gets fixed. Right. What gets focused is what gets fixed. Just because you disprove or shut up the naysayers doesn't mean you got closer to achieving your actual purpose. Yeah. Right. I can disprove the naysayers or I can I can shut up this, uh, these naysayers by actually acquiescing to the criticism. Right. Or taking that advice. Right. If I'm starting a uh, uh, a training, a personal training company and I'm for me, I'm sold on the fact that, no, the vision, the future is online. That's where it's at. That's the space. And then you got all these people that are saying, well, really, is it online? Because, you know, I, and me personally, I don't really I'm not really motivated when I'm at home. I need to go to the gym. I need to touch and feel. I need somebody who's going to see my form. And right. And I listen to that enough. And then now the mission, instead of building the successful online personal training and nutritional wellness business is now to shut up those that are doubting my ability to, to do this. Well, the, the solution to that could be acquiescing and saying, you know, I'm going to build out a physical space, right? Or, um, I'm going to like the young lady that we spoke about a couple episodes ago, I'm going to do a personalized nutrition plan. I'm going to commit to doing personalized nutrition plans for every single one of my clients mm-hmm. so that people know that even in online, you can get this individualized attention because that'll shut people up. You can do that. It may shut up those naysayers, but does it get you closer to your mission? Does it get you closer to the vision? Does it, does it actually align with your purpose and what your skill set, Right. 
because those two things are not or can be mutually exclusive. You can try and shut up the naysayers and still be well away, well, well, well away from actually living in your purpose and executing on your purpose. So I thought that was a really, really important point, that balance of self-belief and not giving in to criticism, but also not um, not fixating on the criticism. So that was really uh, the next two signs. So the first sign was is having belief in yourself. And really what you just touched upon is the fact that challenges don't weigh you down. So if you're looking for some signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur, challengers or the or challengers or challenges and the naysayers don't weigh you down and what i like about the last piece that you said is again that third thing is you you believe in your vision so believing in your vision and staying true to that vision you have makes it easier to not allow those challenges to weigh you down um now he he did you know they they kind of got into that conversation right a little bit about the pettiness and lebron said he <laughs> did look for naysayers in the sense that sometimes you know you you're you're self motivated but sometimes you're not you're not 100% there and you're you're kind of mm-hmm. looking for just a little spark to give you that little extra uh you know so he said he would go out into you know onto the court for warmups and like look for that one lebron hater and as soon as he saw him he'd be like yes it's that person and you know he used that as as uh fuel you know for those flames to 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 you know really have the energy that he was looking for that evening um mm-hmm. but in all of those cases you know, through those conversations, again, it was very evident that they, they didn't, they used it in, in a positive way and turned that, that, that energy into the negative energy that they were getting from somebody else. They turned that into positive energy for themselves. Um, but they didn't allow those things to, again, to weigh them down. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's interesting seeing LeBron where he's at now and where he was at, you know, that first year with Miami, um, and this, his honesty, you know, within that, that part of the show. Um, but it's belief, it's belief in your vision. I know who mm-hmm. I am. I know what it is that we're trying to do. And I have so much belief in that, that it makes it easier to not let those challenges weigh me down. It doesn't mean that you might not stumble a little bit. Um, but when I think about like visually something weighing you down, like it's slowing you down. It may be even getting to a point where it's stopping you because it's so heavy. You know what I mean? That weight is so heavy, but you don't allow those challenges to, to weigh you down to that extent. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said around like, you know, keep maintaining your edge, right? Maintaining your edge, like when you attain a certain level of success, right? Because when you really think about somebody like LeBron or some of these individuals, they, they've been at the zenith of their individual professions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in order sometimes to maybe combat complacency or to find the next challenge, you have to find these things that give you the edge, right? Um, that give you the, that extra, you know, five, 10% to say, all right, I really, I really need to go a little extra, like harder, um, today because, you know, uh, 90% me is still better than 
99.9% of anybody else has ever picked up the ball. You know what I mean? But this requires 100% of me if I really want to achieve what I desire to achieve for my legacy. Um, and so I think what, you know, what they were speaking to when they talk about like kind of that pettiness is really about maintaining your, your edge and that hunger, maintaining that hunger, which is, is, it's critically important, especially as you start to have certain levels of success, right? Like, um, even for ourselves, I'll use us as an example, right? As we've been able to carve out a significant following with our podcast, we've had plenty of conversations around areas that we're not satisfied with in terms of the production or where we want the production to evolve to or um, just the level of interaction and engagement and all of those things, right? The the day one podcast version of us would have been ecstatic with, you know, what we've been able to achieve right now. But as we've continued to attain certain levels of success, uh, most notably or recently, um, you know, our, um, our podcast rankings on good pods and, you know, you know, the recognition we received there, you know, you know, ending up in, you know, the top, um, you know, uh, five and 10 and multiple, uh, different podcast categories for what we offer between career and entrepreneurship and self-help and all that good stuff. Right. Um, you know, if, if, if we want to get to number one, though, we have to maintain a certain level of hunger. If we want to increase the quality of production value, we have to maintain a certain level of hunger. We can't just be satisfied with, uh, well, we got 20,000 downloads or we got, you know, X number of downloads today, or we're, we're, we're heard in, you know, 53 different countries. Like we have to figure out, well, you know, like we do sometimes, right. Why don't we have no plays in Puerto Rico? (laughs) You know what I mean? Or the, all right. Um, yeah, what's going on in Wyoming? Why is it, why hasn't anybody downloaded an episode in Wyoming? What's happening in Wyoming? Why ain't nobody listening to us there? Right? Like, um, it's those things that allow you to maintain a certain level, level of, um, hunger at perfecting and improving your craft. And that's how you stay on top of the, the game and ahead of the game in terms of how the game evolves. So I think they were speaking a little bit more to that. Um, you know, um, you know, at a, at a, but at a, a heightened level in terms of, you know, where they perform. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's another point though, right? So we talked about the fact that, you know, signs that you're born to be an entrepreneur, you believe in yourself, uh, challenges don't weight you down, you believe in your vision, but also you self-evaluate. You know, I think part of, of what LeBron did, right, he, he evaluated himself and his performance, which you were just speaking to, speaks to that. I mean, even before we hit record for this episode, we were looking at our numbers and self-evaluating where we're at right now. Uh, and, and to your point, those are things that we've done, you know, throughout these, these four seasons are continuing to evaluate, you know, where we're at as opposed to where we would like to be. Uh, and, and just for our folks out there listening again, even shout out to the folks on, on good posit, uh, that listen to the podcast itself, um, where we want the community to be, you know, where we want you. Yes. We're talking to you uncompromising community out there, you know, where we would like for you to be not just as as a listener, as a community member, but as an entrepreneur, right? And what can we continue to provide that's going to allow you to pursue purpose, create profits and build legacy for yourself and for your family and for those, you know, for your loved ones. Um, 
but that's that's not possible if you don't do that self-evaluation. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you have to have that, that critical, um, that critical eye and, you know, to some extent that the self-belief that through that self-evaluation and through that self, like that, that criticism that you also have the skill set or the ability to grow into whatever you're, you're deficient in. I think sometimes people avoid that level of critique or, or insightfulness is because there's a fear that I may uncover a gap that I don't have the skill set to close. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, or I don't believe that I have the skill set to close. And so, um, again, it does tie back into even that very, very first point that we call out about that self-belief. You have to, you know, in order to have that level of introspection or self-reflection or critique, that also speaks to a heightened level of confidence because you know that you're confident you can do something about it. I can fix it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So we just broke down a few again, um, believing in yourself. Again, these are signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur. You believe in yourself. Challenges don't weigh you down. You believe in your vision. You self-evaluate. Uh, and then we had a couple left and we're going to segue into some different conversations um, mm, that sure. you came across, but that we spoke about, um, that really speak to, to the next two, um, which is somewhat believing yourself, but within that belief is your, your ability to, to push the boundaries and, and, and maybe do something that's a little bit different and creating, instead of just staying in your lane, creating your own complete lane, where it's just only you, where you're on that, that fast lane, like the one they just opened up on I-4 for our folks that are here that. in Central Florida. Yes. Um, the express lane. Uh, but you're, yeah, you're creating bro, no. your own, ex- maybe not, I won't say express, you know, it, it could be in a sense uh, accelerating your growth as an entrepreneur and your business. Right. Uh, but at the very least, you're creating a lane and a space that is your own where you can be one of the leaders um, or even be the leader in that area and in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And quick shout out to, um, you know, what they did with I-4. Like, I got the opportunity to travel it when I came up to Orlando this Sunday uh, for uh, another house hunting trip, uh, <laughs> which was uh, fun. But, no, nah, man, we was able to get from the Turnpike to Lake Mary in, like, 15 minutes or something like that. Like, on that, like all on I-4, I was like, oh, this is... This is I love this is finally they did something right. Finally, yeah. all these years I've been here in Orlando, all this money I for this, this is the best decision they've ever made. Um, but anyway, back to your point, man. No, you're absolutely right. So, like, I was watching um episode of um, uh, Drink Champs, uh, another podcast that's out there. Um, uh, very, uh, very unconventional interview setup. We'll say that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. To, um, facilitate a certain level of just discussion and honesty and stuff like that with the, with the, with the guests. And so they had on, um, the game, um, you know, who's a well-known, uh, hip hop artist, you know, debuted in the, you know, um, early two thousands, um, well-known for his affiliation with Dr. Dre, with 50 Cent, with, um, you know, um, with uh, Eminem, Aftermath in general, um, and actually was um, a very prominent figure in early 2000s music and music culture because he was able to bring back a notable figure on the, on a national scale 
in the West Coast, when the West Coast was largely lacking an artist of that type of caliber. They had had one in several, several years since the passing of um, Tupac, uh, who, even though he wasn't from you know L.A., he was adopted by L.A. Yeah. and that culture, um, right? Um, and so um, they were having conversations with him, and he was just talking about how, um, you know, he 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 has a track record of supporting artists, other West coast artists and putting them in position in order to get more notoriety and more exposure without benefiting from those relationships. Right. Like he was the first person to take Kendrick on tour on an international tour before Kendrick actually you know, got signed with uh, TDE Kendrick Lamar before he got signed with TDE before he was, you know, um, you know, he released his first project under Dr. Dre and aftermath. And they did the same thing with Nipsey Hussle. And uh, for those who know Nipsey and Nipsey's um, story just a little bit, you know, Nipsey is regarded as a very influential um, person to uh, the culture, period, right? Not even just music, but to the culture because of the message that he he um, lived and would profess um, through his music and through his interviews around ownership, around entrepreneurship, around taking care of your community, mm-hmm. around building r- building relationships with the community infrastructure, including um, you know um, civic you know civic services, um, police forces, all those things, in order to give back and give people an opportunity to elevate themselves out of um, poverty in these disadvantaged situations. Um, and where Nipsey had always demonstrated, um, you know, the ability to be an innovator was in how he approached intro- like breaking into the music game. And Game talked a little bit about this, where he said he had got off, you know, so he had at the time he had purchased a brand new Range Rover because he saw that uh, Andre 3000 had a Range Rover. And so he wanted to be seen in a Range Rover, too. And he would take the long way home from LAX to his house because he wanted to drive like through Melrose, mm-hmm. um, and, and, um, you know, in LA, cause he's like, that's where all the women are at. Like, so they, I wanted them to see me in the range and, you know, all that stunt. And he's like, I will always get caught at the light at, um, Crenshaw and Slauson, which is where Nipsey and, um, you know, his people would be posted. Like that's where they hung out at. That was their area. That was their neighborhood. Um, for those who know, uh, Nipsey actually ended up buying, a portion of the block there mm-hmm. and actually, you know, put up a store there in the community and started employing people in the community. And unfortunately that's also the location of where his life was taken. Yeah. Um, yeah, tragically at the age of, you know, 33, um, life taken. But a uh, game was talking about seeing Nipsey early on. He's like, you know, Nipsey, like this is when he had a short curls before he even had like his hair fully grown out and braids and he was selling incense, you know what I mean? And, um, he said, um, one time I got caught at the light and I saw him and his boys walking up and he wasn't selling incense. Right. Um, and he, he was approaching the car and obviously, you know, um, in LA and that culture and just in general, you see people starting to approach a car and a group of people that can elicit some type of nervousness. And he said, you know, he reached, um, he reached in his hoodie and he pulled out a CD, <laughs> right? He's like, Hey, this is my mixtape. I know you're sitting around homie and, and, and like, you gotta listen to it. Right. Um, and so, uh, game was like, uh, game was like, you don't know how close he came <laughs> <laughs> you know, for music. But, um, what Nipsey was, was known for is Nipsey was actually one of the first artists to 
take the concept of selling mix mixtapes out of his truck to a different space economically, right? Because for most folks, you either give it away, like people were giving away music in order to get as much exposure as possible in hopes that you would end up getting a deal. That's actually what happened with Game. Game said that, you know, him and his people, they were just giving away his mixtapes like crazy. Every time somebody came over to the house or any of their place of business, he was just giving it to them. And then eventually they did that enough that in like six, seven months, the music was everywhere. And then people started to hear it. Then, you know, Dr. Dre was looking for him and that's kind of how he ended up getting signed. Right. But Nipsey said, well, no, this is, this is my IP. It has a value on it based off of what I affix to it. And I don't think it's worth free. Mm -hmm. So Nipsey went in the other, the direction, which was unheard of. And he said, I'm selling my, my mixtape, my CD, a hundred dollars a tape. Talking about pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Super pushing the boundaries, right? Something that in the early 2000s, mid 2000s was seen as, you know, literally you look at a mixtape, it says for promo use only most of the time, right? And people were just giving a way to try and get exposure because if you heard something and you liked it, then maybe you'll get it in the right hands and then people will come and they'll give me a deal. Nipsey said, my, my goal is not to get a deal, at least not that type of deal, yeah. not the traditional sense of a deal and being signed as an artist. My goal is to show you that I can produce and run a business around what I create in my IP and ownership is the thing that I value the most. And so literally what happened is when he did that, there started to become a buzz around this artist that was selling hundred dollar mixtapes. Like who the hell is this? Is selling a mixtape for a hundred dollars? The notoriety increased so much that actually what happened, what people don't know, what really put the accelerant on what he was doing and the exposure he got is that news got back to, to Jay-Z that there was an artist in uh, L.A. selling a mixtape for $100. And Jay ended up copping like a thousand mixtapes mm. off off the string. <laughs> like, hold on, who is this? What is he doing? Oh, I see what he... I'm going to show my support. He ended up copping like a thousand mixtapes, right? And so you had somebody who didn't acquiesce to the naysayers that said, bro, you can't sell no free. Like, who are you? No, I even know you or your music. And now you try, tell them it's $100 a pop. You can't, you can't realistically, yeah, you'll be lucky if you sell one tape. And now because of that unwavering self-belief, because of that ability to not be afraid to push the boundaries, he ended up selling a thousand copies to who's somebody who's considered the greatest artist in this space to ever do it. Right. And so I think there's a hell of a story just in Nipsey's uh, example alone about, you know, born to be an entrepreneur, uh, Nipsey and and Jay-Z, but the main focus right now is, is, is Nipsey and what he was able to do. Um, So, Again, signs that you are born to be an entrepreneur and and the example of, of Nipsey Hussle saying, I'm not going to give away my IP, which, you know, in in this space in marketing, we, we do that a lot, you know, and not that that's a, a bad thing because we give away IP, whether it's via social media, um, whether it's through free webinars or lives or through email uh, campaigns and newsletters. And again, not that that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, but sometimes people, especially when they're new in a particular space, they they just undervalue themselves, you know. But it's again, it, it's having that belief in yourself and that vision that you have that no, I know my worth. 
I know the skill set that I have. I know what I bring to the table, and I'm going to make sure that I get value for that. And again, I'm doing it different. I'm not going to do it how other people have done it in the past. I'm going to push the boundaries. I'm going to do it differently. And even for that person to say, well, you, you know, you may sell one. Well, selling one is still $100 that I'm up as opposed to me giving these things away for free where exactly. I'm not making anything. And how many people, I mean, you've been in the, in the industry, give away free music all the time, thinking, hoping, praying that that's going to lead to them popping off, and it never happens. It never happens. Matter of fact, sometimes because they're giving away their IP, they get taken advantage of. Whether yep. they're the artist writing something or they're producing tracks, and, you know. Yeah, seen that plenty of exactly. times. Exactly. No, I'm not going to do that. That's, you know, he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I sell it for what I know it's worth. Uh, and kind of the goal that somebody would have to do that. But people that know other entrepreneurs, somebody like Jay-Z, oh, I see what's going on. You know, and again, I'm going to show this person love because, Support. and I'm sure he listened, <laughs> oh, this is fire music, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and this cat has, obviously has skill sets uh, and has talent and showed love and, and supported in that way. Um, all of that, I think, stems from, again, having that belief in your in your vision. And then with that belief in your vision is is not being afraid to push the boundaries. Yeah, man. I mean, and it takes just a tremendous amount of courage, man. I think about how many folks that um, even today, right, they profess these concepts of ownership. Right. They said, yeah, it's about ownership. Yeah. Da, da, da. You know, I'm li- yeah, I'm listening to Nip too. Yeah, I'm with the movement. You know what I mean? Marathon continues, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff. But then when push comes to shove and it comes time for them to show and prove with their own IP, they don't do it. They acquiesce. Right. They get they give it away for free. Right. They fall into the old models. Right. Because they don't necessarily have the courage to to put these concepts into action. And that's why, you know, when you talk about like not being afraid to push the boundaries, you know, I mean, people have heard, you know, this, this phrase plenty of times before, right? Like your courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to move in spite of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so not being afraid is at least saying, Hey, you're acknowledging that there's a, there's fear Right. But you're also courageous enough to push through that fear and that uncertainty and not give into it. Right. Um, in pursuit of doing something that hasn't been done before or the potential gain. Um, and when you talk about like the influence of concepts like that, like you see how it evolves over time. So like we ha- we talked about Nipsey's example. Well, let's fast forward to like a, a, a current example of that same thing in play at a larger scale. Right. So um, everybody not knows afraid to push boundaries ever at all. Push boundaries, push buttons. <laughs> the whole nine, yes. Uh, yeah, you name it, right? But we're talking about uh, Kanye and Kanye West, right? So yay, um, you know, is you know, it's coming off of like one of his most um, critically acclaimed albums in recent years because um, there were some mixed reviews about you know uh, Life of Pablo and music after Life of Pablo, and so. Donda and what he has done with the Donda experience, truly pushing the boundaries of what a rollout looks like. We're talking about the live um, listening sessions, mm-hmm. the evolving art 
right? Installments that are associated with that, the crowdsourcing of these different versions of the project and almost seeing it evolve over time and how that was received. We had never really seen anything like that before. And he, you know, Jimmy and I have already broke this down in other episodes. We just talked about all the, all the litany of ways and lessons in there around monetizing and repurposing content Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that he just put a masterclass on, right? So now you follow it up with, Hey, I'm going to do down to two. And this time is going to be different, right? Because just like in the vein of Nipsey with selling out of his trunk, I care more about ownership than I care about, you know, um, participating in your antiquated notions of what the process should be. And so Ye said, I'm not releasing this project at all on any streaming platform at all. Not Spotify, not Tidal, not Apple. You're not going to be Amazon. You're not going to be able to get nowhere except for my stem player, which is what I produce, it's my product, it's you know my IP or my you know my licensing, um, you know uh, relationship, and that will be the only way to hear this project at all. Period. All right, buy a stem player. Stem player is two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars for a player. All right, that's the only place the album's ever going to be. Within an hour, I want to say within an hour. Maybe three hours. I think it was three hours. And three within three hours of making that announcement, that declaration, right? And people saying initially, man, yeah, got you know, yeah, tripping thing. I'm gonna buy two hundred dollars stem player and, and, and music. Nobody gonna do that. Ain't nobody. He sold six thousand units in three hours. Six thousand units in three hours from making that that statement. Mm-hmm. No album yet. The album is coming, but buy the stem player now, right? Get yours. Not only did that happen, right? Not only 6,000 units, the demand was so great that they ended up selling out. And then it created an aftermarket bubble where people went from buying $200 SIM players and then flipping them aftermarket for $600 a SIM player. And people were buying. People were buying in droves, right? The demand didn't, didn't, uh, didn't, um, soften at all, right? So you got that. He drops the project. Um, and in total, he probably sold maybe about 12,000 stem player units, right? Um, but within a couple of days of dropping the project, he essentially made $2.3 million, $2.3 million off of this project. What makes that so impressive is it's $2.3 million in revenue that he's generated on less than 12,000 sales of a stem player, where if he had played by the traditional model, in order to make that same type of money off of just the music. We're not talking about touring and tickets and merchandise and all that other stuff that comes with really how artists and creators monetize in the current model today. Just making money off of the music alone, he would have needed to have 230 million streams on Apple Mm. to be able to make that same type of money, right? Now, the traditional thinking would say that um, it has said, not it would say, but has said, hey, because of how you release this project, it can't be considered for any chart placements. It can't be considered for billboard placements, which means you don't get the accolade of having a number one album when it drops or the number one debut when it drops. You don't get the accolades of being number one on this chart or that chart or number one song from the project. None of that. We can't count any of them because... We don't consider this uh, 
purely music. This is actually uh, a bundle and you sold the music in conjunction with a device um, that is not, um, is utility is not meant for just playing music is meant for other things. And so we can't count any of those, right? So you're not, when it comes time for award season, you know, you can't get a Grammy for this. You can't get a, you know, uh, MTV award, a BT award, whatever award. Mm-hmm. You can't get an American music award. You can't, it won't count. We, we're not counting it. Right. And Ye said, thank you. Awesome. That's just validation that what we're doing is the right thing. Yep. Right. Because if the system won't acknowledge it and in order to participate in the system, it means I have to acquiesce my ownership. Then this is just validation that I'm doing the right thing. Right. And so, um, again, another example of just a tremendous amount of, of courage and innovation and not being afraid to, you know, buck the traditional trends or approaches. Right. And thinking innovatively. Um, around how do you maximize ownership um, and change how you how business is typically done in your in your space? That had me just thinking about uh, another point. And, and again, somebody who was born to be an entrepreneur. Obviously, he's a phenomenal artist as a producer, uh, as as a rapper, as a writer to a certain extent, but obviously he's, but he had that vision. He had that vision of, of he wasn't going to allow people to put him into a box. Um, he had a phenomenal backing and cheerleader from his mom that just spoke so much life into him, but he had that belief that allowed him and his creativity as well to push the boundaries. Um, some people might say, well, yeah, you're talking about Kanye. He's able to do that because what does he care about the charts? He's already won Grammys. He's already had the accolades. He doesn't necessarily need those things. Possibly, but I think it's also, you know, getting to a point where, like you said, it's, it's owning and not allowing the system to take advantage. But I do kind of compare that right to, to maybe you're an entrepreneur out there and you're thinking about, you know, these influencers in social media and having, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, uh, air quotes, y'all, followers, right? And what does that mean when you have that type of, of, of eyeballs for sure, um, but that, that kind of standing, right? Those accolades that, that you feel you may get because you have so many followers. But how many are truly engaging with you and your community, Right. You know, how many are, are truly um, following everything that you're doing, purchasing the things that you're putting out there, whatever that service is that you have, whatever that product is that you have. I tell you, man, um, there's tornado warnings in the area. So the alarm is going off right now for our listeners. If you hear that, that high pitch right now. Um, but the whole point is that that stuff doesn't really matter. You know, it's, it's having, you know, we talk about those, those 1000 fans, right. That are really uh-huh. down for you. And not only that, but that will follow you. Right. So somebody like Kanye, I don't have to put my music in these traditional platforms. I can, and the people who love my music and love what I bring to the table, they're going to follow me. They're going to go to this other platform, uh, to be able to, to get the music and to get the art that's out there. Right. Um, yeah. 
and it's not relying on these methods and these platforms that are really just, they're making money off of your IP. Now they're starting to get to it. Uh, when you think about Instagram for sure, TikTok, Tips, uh, Facebook, yeah. uh, uh, and Twitter is getting there as like well, that. right? They, they're, they're, they're finding out mechanisms to, to pay the, the creator. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. And there's a lot of people eating off of that right now. Um, I didn't see the whole thing, but I know, um, uh, Nikki, um, Saunders had just put something out of real that she had, and it was about, um, a quick clip of, uh, Russian influencers, and I guess one mm-hmm. in particular was just like distraught and upset and crying yeah. because yeah, they, they lost off Instagram. Exactly. Right. But the point that, that Nikki was making was while those things are great and dandy, like there's other methods to be able to take your community and, and have them follow you in places where you truly control that platform. Right. And, and those are conversations that you and I are having, right? We have this podcast, which is our platform. Um, Nobody can take away the 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 video content, the audio content, because we have that. We own it. Now, you know, we've had conversations, right, about uh, whether it's Podbeam or whatever that platform it is that if you're a podcaster out there that you're utilizing to to put your voice and your show out there. Uh, but we've had those conversations, right, on all of these. It's great that our podcast is on all of these different platform platforms. Excuse me, and there's all of these these downloads and streams that are happening. But from a monetization standpoint, who's really benefiting from that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, What's the value of a download? What's the value of a stream? Correct. What's the value of the data that we can or cannot get access to? Correct. So there's, again, there's something to be said about pushing the boundaries, finding different ways, uh, and just making sure that, you know, you're you're truly focused on on that crowd that that loves what you're doing, that that truly appreciates what you're putting out there uh, and that you're finding ways to connect with them in different ways that allows you to control your IP and also allows you to monetize in a different way uh, without having all of these different gateways and and having other people with their hands in the pot, which is exactly what Kanye did in that, in that particular example. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, exactly. And you're, you're spot on in the sense that, um, right. People are getting a lesson, um, and what happens when you don't own the, 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 the mechanism to engage with their community. Correct. Um, you know, if somebody can flip the switch and, and cut off your ability to monetize, then you never really own the platform, you know, completely. Um, and I think people are coming to that realization. So how are you doing things to get more information and insights about your community that you know does partake so that you can solicit them in a multitude of ways mm-hmm. outside of Instagram or whatever other platform exists out there? And to your point, too, hey, um, you're right that some of these platforms have started to find ways to try and compensate the creative the creator um because they understand that hey we need you on this platform we understand the value but it's a half-hearted attempt what i mean by that is these same platforms are not exposing transparently what is the value of having that creator's content on the platform so how am i to know you know all right, you gave me the mechanism to be able to get tips and subscriptions. Okay, that's cool. 
right? And maybe the subscription fee can be as high as, you know, $1.99. But is what is that per is the play from that one person that subscribes? Are they worth two dollars to the company? Mm-hmm. Are they worth twenty dollars to the company? Are they worth two hundred dollars to the company? Like for all I know, I could be getting you know ninety percent of the value of this play, this relationship, this stream. I could be getting ten percent. I could be getting less than one percent. I don't know, right? I can't do the math. The math is not mathing, and so these may be. Um, half-hearted, you know what I mean, uh, opportunities or attempts to, to, um, appease, you know, the creators and kind of this sentiment that's been swelling around, Hey, you know, creators and entrepreneurs need to have a, a, a means to be able to monetize in a way they did not before, but it, it, it may not, it may be akin to when the streaming platform said that, Hey, we're going to give you royalties on your streams. Mm. Right, we'll buy like we'll buy your 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 um your licensing agreements or licensing agreements with the the record labels, right? And we'll give the artists on these platforms a percentage of you know the stream, but it's fractions of a penny on a stream, right? Um, and so that's why you know not without getting into it too much, you know um you know Jimmy and I have definitely been sober eyed about that and about thinking of. How can we, um, going back to, to my example, you know, talking about NIP, you know, how can we not just be champions for these things in terms of ownership and, you know, owning a platform and stuff like that, you know, from a words perspective, but also from an action perspective, mm-hmm. um, and how can, how can we put ourselves in a position to, uh, do that with our IP and, you know, create a space for others who have similar IP um, to be able to do the exact same thing. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So more to come on that uncompromising entrepreneurs. Uh, we appreciate y'all very much again in this episode through these various stories and the conversation, we want to break down five signs for you that, you know, you have a really good indication that you were born to be an entrepreneur. So we broke down the fact that you should have, or you do, not that you should, but you have belief in yourself. Challenges don't weigh you down. You believe in your vision. You push the boundaries and you also self-evaluate. So again, five signs that you, ladies and gentlemen, are born to be an entrepreneur. Uh, Again, we appreciate you guys. Uh, spending time with us and, and, and always riding this ride and, and being on this journey with us. Uh, please stay tuned. I know that we have not dropped an MBA series yet, Mentored by Adversity, uh, but it is coming. We have two really, really uh, great entrepreneurs, someone that we've kind of talking about uh, Web 3.0, someone we've met in that space, uh, but is a podcaster as well. Um, Anthony Walker, we're going to be having a conversation uh, with this gentleman from the West Coast, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, From the West Coast. So we'll be having a conversation uh, with him. Uh, And then somebody who uh, we've known here uh, on the east side, uh, Bianca, who's also known as uh, Chef Balloon. We've actually mentioned her a couple of times on on some of our uh, episodes. Uh, We're going to be having her as a guest as well. Uh, So we'll be dropping a couple of NBA series for you really, really soon. So again, pay attention to that as we keep season four moving and uh, trucking along. Uh, Again, 
If you appreciate this episode, please show us some love. Show us that you appreciate it by giving a like to the episode, um, leaving a comment. We've been getting a couple uh, more comments uh, throughout the week, so we definitely appreciate that. Uh, Again, we love the interaction from our uncompromising community, so keep it coming. Uh, We definitely read them. We definitely appreciate them, uh, as always. Um, So yes, continue to do that. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. We're going to keep... bringing you the hotness, which is the Uncompromising Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Stay encouraged.